0: If you haven't missed us, or haven't missed us, if you haven't been here, you've missed us. Uh, if you haven't been here, then uh, we've been doing a series just over the summer of discovering, uh, your, discovering your place in the body, discovering what uh, gifts and, and uh, talents that God's put in your life and, and why they're there. Uh, there's, um, there's a bunch of them are online now, if you, if you didn't get a chance to. Most of the time I'm saying there's not that many sermons, I say, hey, you all should hear this. But the ones we feel like our whole church should hear, uh, we put them on uh, on our website. We want you to, to be able to take, uh, to be on the same page with us. Because as, as a church, I really feel that, that if we would figure out who we are, uh, what God has designed each of us to be, and what part we play in the body, and work as a body, <laughs> incredible, incredible things can happen. We've got what His design is, uh, is for the church. So we've been talking about a, a couple key points along the way. Number one, the, the church is His body. And then we would rightly the discern. that we would understand which parts of the body are, are around us and, and know when we see them, when we see certain things happening, we understand why they're, why they're saying what they're saying, why they see what they see, why they serve the way they serve. So we'd understand that and, and know how to work together. I was thinking about that, you know what, you know, people sometimes say, hey, what's God really like? You know, what's God look like? You know, if, God's, if God really interact with people, what would, it, what would it look like? And I believe that, you know, the Bible talks about in John, it says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and then that Word became flesh. Amen. That God dwelt among us, and that is what, in the body of Jesus. So, what would God look like? What would He sound like? What, would he, how, what words would He use with people? Jesus was, was, was that. Was God uh, with us? God, the very expression of God to the planet. So when we think about that for a second, we think that was his body then. What should his body look like now? It should look like Jesus to the planet. That the words we we share, the things that happen, just look like what he did. But a lot of times it's, it's not just going to be in one person. It's going to be in this whole group of people that you see those kind of things happen. And, and, I, and I believe that if we, if we can catch that and each of us individually connects with the spot we're supposed to play, it's amazing at what can happen for the kingdom. Um, we talked about different types of gifts that we're looking at. Uh, we aren't talking about the, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about those gifts at this, uh, at this point, we will be in a, in a little bit, but that's not what we're, that's not the section we're talking about, we're not talking about the equipping ones, where you know, the pastors, the apostles, the teachers, we're not talking about that group of people either, that they're the player coaches, they're the ones who are helping. We're talking about the individuals, uh, individual people who are part of the body, who have gifts given to them, uh, because they are a the minister. Every one of us is a minister. True. True. That's right. Every, just say, I'm a minister. <laughs> you know, if you wake up every day and go, you know, I'm a minister. It, it can affect the way that you, that you look at how you do life. So we're talking about that, and uh, we, we started with a, a bunch of them. We're gonna, we are going to finish today uh, and get through that. But um, every gift, just, not just discovering who it is, but using it, actually using it. Uh, there's www.gifttest.org, I think it's in the bulletin, but I challenge you to go take a look at that uh, at home, 30 short questions, you punch that in there, and it'll give you some pretty good insight into uh, what gifts God's probably placed in your life, and then to use those. The gifts that we're talking about come from Romans chapter 12, so if you can just turn there with us, I don't know if it's on the screen or not, oh, sweet. It says, for I say through the grace given to me. To everyone who is among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly. Because God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And for as we have many members in one body, but all the members don't have the same function. Okay, so lots of different members, not, lots of different parts, not the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given us, let us use them. So it says if you have the gifts and you do have the gifts, we already know that everyone has it, but not everyone uses them. So he's saying, hey, if you have such and such a gift, use it for those purposes. If it's prophecy, let's prophesy in proportion to our faith. If it's ministry, let's use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives, give liberally. He who's... Um, uh, who leads with diligence and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. We talked about how these gifts are hardwired into you. Natalie, little baby Natalie, already has one or more of these uh, hardwired into her and as she grows up she can she'll be able to use those either for God or for whatever but they're a part of who she is you know it's a, there's there's people who use their gifts and talents for uh, for other purposes but those gifts were put in you to be a part of his body so when you are a part and a follower of Jesus that's what they were designed to be used for you don't get to choose them so the ones you find out that you have uh, you'll realize sometimes people think oh that would be such a cool one to have but it's not, it's not designed that way. It's just it's that you find out which one you, which one you have. And once you start operating in that, you'll realize, man, that's the best place for me to be. I realize it. We talked about how it affects the way you see the world. It's like you put on a color of sunglasses. All different colors. All 70s put on a different color. They see things differently. They see ministry differently. We compared it to seven blind men and an elephant. And we also started talking about, you know, how... Um, how they would see uh, the difference in ministering to to, a, to the same person, they would see it differently. So, a real quick recap of the ones we've looked at. We looked at the gift of perceiver. The one who scored high on the perceiver, just real quick, show of hands. There's some up back there. Yeah, the flexing. Yeah. The perceiver. They're the ones with there's no gray areas. They're the ones who um, they see sin right away and they they can point it out from a mile away. And their real purpose is to um, is to. Ex- Explain to the body what they see in a way that the body can use it. They're great for that. It, and we we talked about a, a drunk guy. My mom used uses this as an illustration. It's always stuck with me that if somebody walked in and they were they were drunk, they had had way too many to drink they'd soiled themselves. You know, you could smell alcohol all over them. The perceiver would be the person who right away would notice they have a sin problem. Well, I mean, all of us would notice, but they would notice it. Well, probably before even just as soon as he stepped in the door, that's the first thing they see. Well, this guy's got an alcohol problem. Hey, buddy, you need to repent. You know, you need to get that changed. That's how a perceiver is because that's how they see it and they believe that pointing it out will bring repentance and change in a person's life. Then we looked at the teaching gift and it's not the teacher, it's the gift of teaching. How many scored high on teaching gift? Yeah, there's a... We got one. (laughs) The rest of them are like, hey... Um, but they, they're the ones who love gaining knowledge. They love learning. They love studying. They love to read. And they see ministry as, as, as information and knowledge. Uh, applying that was really going to help people to change. So if the drunk guy walks in, they're like right away, hey, you know what? He doesn't need to repent. He needs 12 steps. You know, he needs all the information first. Then he knows what, how he can repent and what he can do. So they hook him up with that. We talked about the ministry gift, the server they're the ones who don't show their hands for, for anything. They're just like, you know, I'm kind of background people. So for those of you not showing your hands, yeah, those are our servers. So, uh, but they, they love to meet um, practical needs. They love to serve in the background. They see ministry as using available resources to help others. So when he walks in, they're right away like, stop telling him to repent. This guy needs a coffee. He needs to sober up and he needs some new clothes. And they're, they're driving off to Giant Tiger to buy him clothes because they, he, they need, he needs it right now. And that's what they're going to do. That's just the way they see ministry. Then we talked about the exhortation or the encourager. The person who, uh, any, any other encouragers in the place? We got a few of those this morning. I scored a little bit on that. Um, they're the ones, they come alongside people. They're there to say, hey, you know what? You can do this. When They they keep encouraging people to continue to fight the good fight of faith. When the person is down in the dumps, they're there to say, hey, you can get up again. Come on, you can do this. And they see ministry as finding the positive in every situation and telling that person those things. When they see a a drunk person come in, they let them know, hey, buddy, it doesn't matter where you came from. You can go to here. They're bringing them to celebrate recovery. They're texting them, you know, encouraging him. Hey, don't drive. You know, uh, (laughs) I just want to let you know I'm thinking about you, praying for you. You can do it, man. You can make it. And, and all those gifts all work differently for the person. And certain ones are going to work in different times. But God's designed his body to have all of that put together so that that can, that can build the body up in love. So now I want to look at the last three. The last three is like, hey, you know what? I wasn't any of those. I didn't get any of those. Well, there's, there's hope because there's a few more yet. And you're definitely one of the seven for sure. Let's talk about the giver. They're an incredibly important part of the body as well. They are, um, they see ministry, their color of glasses is that they uh, see ministry as imparting by giving or supplying the, the needs of others generously and cheerfully. They'll see a need and they'll right away be the first one to cut a check and they're smiling when they do it. It's like such, they're like, yes, I finally found an opportunity to do something with this money other than for myself. It's just the way they see it. There's, um, there's more in the Bible about money than any other topic. We don't talk about money a whole lot, but it's, it's all through here it's one of the uh things that jesus talked about more than love and faith and and any of those kind of things he talked about money because every one of us is commanded to be giving there's a part of realizing that our money is for his purposes you can't serve god and the money and you're going to serve one of them if you're serving him he'll ask for your money if you can't give it it means you're serving it that and says it's more important but he he wants every person to be a, a, a giver across the board But the giving motivated people, they just happen to see things just naturally. They're hardwired that way to see it. So the characteristics of them, say, hey, you know, might notice yourself or someone else. It says they have a generous and charitable attitude. They're not Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, they they understand the biblical principles of giving. They understand sowing and reaping. They know that by giving, they understand that they're sowing and that they're going to reap as well. They will give anything that will meet a need, not just money. They'll give uh, possessions, they'll give time, they'll give energy, they'll give love, and they often invest themselves with their gift. It's not just you're getting something from them, you're getting them along with the gift. They quickly see practical needs before others do. Somebody comes in, they see it quick. They make friends easily because they're givers, and Proverbs talks about that. The person who gives gifts has lots of friends. Want friends? Start giving away stuff. You'll see. Uh, they desire to give secretly and in, in high quality. They don't, they're not people who make their gifts known. It says they're, but they're able to motivate others to give. They help others do that as well. They're not motivated by emotional appeals. People begging for money, they don't give. Somebody knocks on the door, it just doesn't move them. They want God to move their heart on what they should give. And they're discerning. They're not gullible. They, you can't fool these people too easily. I've uh, had the cool, uh, well, interesting uh, thing this week. We we're talking about the civic holiday on Monday. And, and why, somebody asked, why do we celebrate a civic holiday? And I thought... I might just be able to do something with this. And so I said, you know, it's well, it's the people who invented the Honda Civic. um, uh, They're actually so thrilled about being owners of Civics that they take one day off every year to celebrate the day it was invented. And if you own a Honda Civic or are related to somebody with it, you can celebrate. And I'm happy to be related to a few with Honda Civics, and we're having a party. She's like, oh, yeah, really? Oh, that's, wow. Uh, I won't say who it was. But we're having a, an Uplander holiday t- on uh, September 2nd. So if you, uh, if you have a Chevy Uplander and know somebody, come join us at the farm. So, but anyways, they're not, they, these people, givers don't fall for, for too many things like that. But they want to feel, also feel a part of the ministry that they are involved in. When they give to something, they want to know that they're a part of it. And they believe that the, their gift can answer someone's prayer. They love to host and entertain. If you don't like to have people over, probably not real strong in that. They also... They, um, they, they give when they have a lot, but they, these people also give when they don't have much. They, it's just because they're hardwired that way to give. They're not the kind of people like, oh, let the rich give. They don't have that motivation Um, and they have real often really great opportunities and abilities to make a lot of money in business they just do Uh, because they are able to God's able to pour money through their lives because it goes to his purposes possible weaknesses or areas where they can misuse that gift is they they use giving to get out of other responsibilities like well you know I gave to missions so I don't have to go you know Jesus said go into all the world no I don't have to go I, I gave I gave at the office they, they, can, they, can have, they can feel proud sometimes uh, of how much they give compared to others. And you see that uh, Jesus talked about that in the Bible. The widow just gave two mites, and he said that was more than, than the others who thought they gave so much. They can sometimes measure their, you know, their spiritual success by their material worth. They find out how much money they have, and they're like, Oh, you know, God must be blessing me because I must be somebody special. Not, not, oh, not the case. Sometimes they'll try and use their gift to control people. They'll give money, but it comes with strings attached. God, that motivation's in there to, uh, to just simply give. They can, uh, sometimes they can feel guilty for the stuff they have because they feel like it, and it becomes guilt motivation instead of God motivation. I want to challenge you with that. If you're giving motivated, just to always be sensitive to what God wants you to give and to use, use it for him. Uh, and sometimes, you know, the giving motivated people, and I want to encourage you with this too. Sometimes when you see a need, it doesn't mean that you're supposed to meet it just because you can Sometimes there's things, you know where the Bible talks about things like, if you don't work, you don't eat. That a giving motivated person will be like, oh man, they don't have, you know, they, they need money and they want to hand it out and hand it out and hand it out. And yet God's, you know, a lot of times he'll teach people that when they start going hungry a little bit, it's because they're, they're learning something. They got to get a, get a job. <laughs> so if you're, if you're a giving motivated person... Watch out for those kind of things. There's biblical examples of it. Barnabas, we talked about him. He was an encourager, but he's also a giver. He sold his whole property and decided to bring the money and give it so that people in the church would have uh, what they needed. Zacchaeus was another guy. When he met Jesus, he had all kinds of money. He got it in bad ways, but as soon as he met Jesus and it affected his life, all he wanted to do was give it all away because Jesus affected his life that way. Dorcas was another uh, lady with an unfortunate name, but she was a a giver. She... um, she was always filled, it says, with doing kind things and helping the poor. When she passed away, the room was full of widows who came there, and they're showing all the, the, the scarves and the coats that Dorcas had made for them. And, they were, they were really, and then Peter goes and just he's like, wow, everybody loves this. Person. See, because givers have lots of friends who are like, Dorcas can't die. Who's going to make us coats? And Peter's like, okay, and raise her from the dead. We'll talk about that another time. But miracles you know, and it's uh, it's because she was a giver. Modern day givers too. There's a guy named Francis Chan. I don't know if you have any of you have heard of Francis Chan. He wrote a book called Crazy Love. And you read Crazy Love and he basically tells everybody, give away everything. And he does it. He gives away 90% of what he makes. He made $2 million in uh, book sales and, and he gave 90% of it away. Uh, and it's like, man, there's you know just just wired that way. But you get a guy who's a giver and a perceiver who's uh, saying, hey, You know, wired to give, but also wired to say, hey, everybody else, repent and do this. You can all of a sudden get that feeling like everybody's got to give 90% away. That's again where you start realizing that that there's a different motivation that works in different people. It's God's purpose in your heart to give and to do that. So the purpose for them is to help meet financial and practical needs in the body. Recognize it in other people. If somebody says, hey, I want to give you something, accept their gift. You will offend them if you say, no, I don't want it. You know what the problem is? When giver meets giver, and giver says, hey, I'll buy dinner. No, no, I'm buying it. No, I'm buying it. No, no, and, and it's on. So they're shoving the... I remember going to Guatemala with a few of these people, and they're all trying to pay for dinner. The person was like, sure, I'll let you all pay for dinner. You, know? you can all pay for each other. What a tip. But just let them bless you. Don't, and the other thing is, don't go and say, oh, I discern that so-and-so is a giving-motivated person. <laughs> Can you give me some money? (laughs) And you right away go and ask them, I know your part in the body is to give and I'd like to receive. Don't ask them. They'll probably say no because they're not moved by those kind of appeals. Great places saying at Kingsway, how do you get involved? Cafe is a great spot to be involved if you're a giving motivated person and looking for somewhere to be involved because hospitality will come natural to you. Our executive committee, if if you're good with money, we want you on our team because we want to use it for the best possible purposes. Missions, home missions. If you know of needs around, let us know because you're seeing them before we do and we want to help as a church, so let us know you'll see things that others don't see. So if you're giving motivated, that's one of those things that, that you can be a great uh, uh, part of this body. Another one is uh, the ruler, the ruler or the leader. Uh, and a lot of times the, 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 this word gets translated differently, but the, the word is uh, Greek, is proistami, I guess, and they, I don't speak Greek, but that was my best try. So it's, but it means ruler but it's, um, or maintainer, like organizer. But it doesn't mean king or dictator. Uh, a lot of times that, 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 that's where this one can go a little uh, awry. In 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about how it's the person who likes to, the, to steer or the helmsman of a ship. They're not the captain, but they help make sure that that boat goes where the captain wants it to go. And uh, they have very similar characteristics to some of the other gifts, so it's sometimes a little more difficult to realize, but it's that motive. It's why they do what they do. They see ministry as a way of connecting all of the parts to get to a common goal. That's what the that's what this person does. So if the drunk guy were to walk in and everybody's trying to go and do stuff to them. This person will come up and say, listen, everybody stop. All right? Let's get some order. First, mercy person, go hug him, so he knows he's welcome here. Then, server, go get him some coffee. He's welcome. He can sit and have a coffee. Then go get him some clothes. Now, perceiver, you can go talk to him about repentance because you know you can't go blast him right away. They, they make sure it's all working together. That's how they see it. And then once he's, you know, gotten to that part, okay teacher, now bring in your 12 steps. They kind of get that how all the parts work together. They, uh, the characteristics of them are they see big picture. They see they're goal-oriented. They want to move everyone to the same common goal, that everybody's going in the same direction. Their big thing is they see organization is probably the most important part of a church. It's got to be organized. That's just the way they see it. Um, they're great at organizing tasks and people and, and, and resources, getting it all together to work. They love when everything runs smoothly and it all fits together. They can create order when no one else can. Everything's chaos. They can make sure that everything starts actually working together. They set priorities and they actually keep them. They're good at delegating. If you're a person who always does and doesn't delegate, these people are great at that. They're good planners. These people also like to, you know, write notes to themselves a lot. You know, you'll see on their, on their mirror sticky notes and just little different things that they, that they write. They want things done right. But there are people who say they want to have authority because they're under someone else's authority. And they like to finish what they start. Organizers, the maintainers, the people who are managers. Areas of possible misuse of them, they can be overbearing. You know, they can become uh, proud of their power. It's like their song is, when I walk in the room, this is what I see. All you people are looking at me because I have... Got- power and an ego and I ain't afraid to show it, show it, show it I'm a ruler and I know it, you know that that's their, that's kind of sometimes that that thing where they can get to that spot because they think they have control I know, don't listen to the real version they put uh, confidence they can put confidence in their own skills they can put confidence in in their own abilities and and not trust in God to to use them uh, to do stuff they can become upset when other people don't share the same common goal, we're going this way they're the people who can organize things to death, too. You know, they're like, we're going on a trip to the zoo, children, and we're going to have fun. First, 9 o'clock, we're entering 9.05, bathrooms. 9.10, we're going to see the elephant. 9.12, it's going to be the zebra. Then we're going to pick up some snacks at 9.15, monkeys at 9.30. And the kids are like, come on, Dad, we just, we just want to go the other way. No, we're having fun, and we're going to do it this way. And, and they can just organize it to death. Don't misuse that gift if you have it. They can uh, they can sometimes use people to accomplish goals. It's not why it's there. It's to it's to be about people, not not the programs. Sometimes they, they fail to explain why something has to be done. Just has to be done. That's why. Just do it. All right. Don't ask questions. That the, 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 that. So a lot of times they they they, they distance people friendship wise. They're gifted in this, but because they use it the wrong way, nobody wants to hang around with them because it's going to put them to work. <laughs> you, know? so, you Want to come over? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll be there at 5. We're moving. Oh, okay, you know. <laughs> be careful if you have that gift. But that being said, as a church, it's probably one of the things we need at Kingsway the most. If you have that gifting, it's one of the things we are in desperate need of right about now. As you grow as a church numerically, that's one of the things that's really, really difficult when you're not Naturally gifted with it, but uh, to see that there 's people in the Bible like Joseph who uh, just saved uh, nations because of his gifting, and he used it for God. Nehemiah helped rebuild the wall. Acts chapter six, it talks about how as they, as they grew, that they were complaining that stuff wasn 't getting done, and they put s- uh, seven men just in, in, uh, with this gifting over to, over top of those things to, to just um, manage them, so they, their purpose is that they organize and they communicate and they maintain and they guide the other giftings to to a common goal. And uh, as Kingsway, if you say, hey, you know what? Yeah, that sounds like me. I I like to organize stuff. I like to do that kind of thing. We would love for uh, some some people... In those areas to say, hey, you know what? I want to be involved in kids ministry, helping make sure our kids ministry runs smoothly, helping to make sure that our our schedules and all that kind of stuff gets taken care of. On our executive committee, we need people who are going to help plan Sunday morning services and Saturday night services. Pretty soon, people who just say, yeah, I love to do that. I just love to plan and make sure I got all the people in the right places doing that. If you're gifted in that way, please come talk to me. It would be great to 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 see that gift in action. And finally, the last one, mercy. Mercy motivated. The Greek word is ilios. It means kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and afflicted. They see ministry as listening and sympathizing with someone who's suffering. So if the drunk guy came, they would be the first one to say, everyone else get away, I'm just going to sit with him and put my arm around him and hear out his story. And he can tell me a story for four hours, I'm going to listen to every minute of it. Because that's what this guy needs. You need somebody just to just be there with him. We talked about that too. It's like the guy who's running the race and falls on the track. The mercy person will sit there and cry with them. Whereas the encourager's like, what are you doing crying? Get up, man. You can keep going. Finish the race. That's where, but their gift is so incredible. If mercy motivated people, this is it. They feel genuine empathy and compassion for for people that are hurting. They're gentle, they're caring, they're comforting and kind. They express love, grace, and dignity to those facing hardship or crisis. They're not like the perceiver in that way. They care for the underdog, it's the one they pick. They cheerfully serve in difficult and unsightly circumstances. You think about someone like Mother Teresa who goes down to the poorest of the poor in Calcutta and is serving there where no one else would go. It's because there's a mercy motivation. How could she do it for her lifetime and still love it? She's wired that way. And that's, uh, that's one of the things you can see. It's one of the least noticed gifts and yet it's one of the most appreciated. People love mercy-motivated people. They've got like a God-given ability to feel other people's pain. If, if, you, if you see somebody you say, you know what, I, I know I can feel what they're going through, a lot of times they can even discern what's happening in people just by walking into a room. They walk into a room and they know how that person's feeling. It's because they're wired that way. They really desire to meet the emotional needs of people. Stop giving this guy stuff. It's his emotional needs that need to be met. They want everyone to love everyone. When perceivers come in the room, they just don't like that too much. They want everybody to, to love everybody, they really care about other people's feelings. So, when, and their feelings get hurt real easily because of that. They're loyal friends. They're some of the most loyal people you can be around. Their weaknesses or, or areas where they can misuse it, they can become an enabler for somebody. If you've got a mercy motivation and you keep being there for this person who really needs to repent and change, you begin to enab- enable things in their life that they can stay that way. They sometimes feel unappreciated because people don't thank them, because they're always reaching out to the people who don't thank anybody. Um, that's, they, they can become overly sensitive and easily offended because it's their, they have a mercy motivation. Their, their feelings get hurt real easy. They can find it difficult to forgive and they hold on to grudges. They react deeply to criticism. It, it matters to them. They can find it hard to say no as well. So certain things like this, just because you're mercy motivated doesn't mean everybody can walk all over you. They, uh, sometimes for them it's hard to confront. So they bottle everything up and then they explode at some point. So if you're married to a motivation person, Ask them every once in a while, hey, how are you doing? No, no, how are you really doing? Let's, let's talk. I give you full permission just to download and, and let them. They, uh, you know, some of the things for, for them, they, they choose the wrong type of spouse sometimes, mercy-motivated people. If you're single and you feel like you're mercy-motivated, look out because you're going to be attracted to underdogs. That's great for ministry. Don't marry them. Just saying. Don't, don't use your mercy motivation gift for, for the opposite sex either. You know, if you're mercy motivated, stick with your gender because that so often gets misinterpreted. They feel like it's romantic because you really do care so much. I, I'm going to help somebody here. You're going to be thanking me on your wedding. You're like, yo, man, I dumped that other guy. And, uh, you know. They... But you know what? It's true. They feel sorry for people. They feel, they feel sorry. It's like that thing of, you know, no one else will marry him, so I will. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of this thing that they, they'll, they'll choose something just because they, they feel sorry for them. They can get a Jesus complex where they feel like they can meet everybody's need. That's just saying they're great to have in the body. Just be careful that you don't misuse it. Jesus was moved with compassion many times to do things for others. The Good Samaritan, you look at that story, I love it, where he says he goes the extra mile for the person. He gets right down there uh, and takes great care of this person who's been, been injured. Their purpose is to uh, reach out to the hurting and to bring emotional healing to the body. It, they're an incredible part. Um, so if you're mercy motivated, we find out how to use that um, for, for the body. Recognizing it to others. If you know somebody's mercy motivated, they have a hard time confronting. So if you feel like something's kind of amiss with you two, go talk to them. They're probably not going to come talk to you. So initiate resolve in the relationships. Um, if you're dating one again, make sure that you're not dating an underdog. Be gentle with them and choose your words carefully because they would do the same for you. Finally, at Kingsway, if you're mercy-motivated, like, how do I get involved in, a, in church and being part of the body? Children's ministry is a great place. Counseling's a great place. Praying with people, great thing. Caring, our caring cooks, the ones who send meals out, you guys are amazing. Uh, and mercy motivate people, it's, a, it's an incredible thing when they can just realize where, what people are going through and how. Celebrate recovery is another one. Hospital visits. You know, if you're mercy-motivated, you'll do really well and stuff like that. Um, Ephesians 4.16, I just want to close with this One thing that I, as we close this whole entire teaching uh, off, I mean, we're not really closing because our desire is to continue to see this. We've said, hey, go check out your gifts. Put it on our website, uh, on Facebook page, whatever, because we want to know where you're gifted. If you want to be involved, we want to be connected. We need you. We need each other. It says this, he, Jesus, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, as it's actually functioning, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. My dream for this church is that that would be the description of us, that each one of you is doing its part, that it's contributing to one another so that this whole body, as it continues to grow, is healthy as a church. It's, it's um, growing and it's full of love for one another. That can only happen if each one of us will individually say, you know what, I'm going to do my part. Challenge you and encourage you to to continue to be the church. There's something great about that, that as people look at, at, at us as a whole, they see Jesus to our world.